Hello world, welcome back. It's 2020 and this is season three of Notorious by Chance. I'm Chance Ellison. And I'm Russell Howe. And we are once again back. Uh, we got a new logo. Thank you, Janine. Again, appreciate the work. Uh, but the the show is really, the show, the show ain't changing that much. Actually, take that back. It's changing a little. I'm going to try to get more people on this one, on this season, that is. But uh, yeah, we are back and as always, I mean, we don't have, we didn't have a poll. We didn't have a movie selected this week because it's, uh, I think it's becoming tradition now. We are doing, we're starting off with our top 20 performances of the year 20, over the year prior. So that year being 2019. Uh, but first of all, before before we talk about that, we have some, look, we're going to save all the news and trailers for our first episode next week. But something really big drop that I feel like we just can't, we can't ignore for an entire week. Because the nominations for the 92nd Academy Awards dropped yesterday, right? Yep, yesterday. 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 <coughs> so we figured we'd uh, first off we talk about those because uh, Russell, you and I are big, are big Oscar opponents. You know, we absolutely, yeah, for sure. When they when they get it right, yeah. when they get it right, <laughs> doesn't happen very often. When they get it right, when they get it right, it's good. Uh, so yeah, we have our ninety uh, second Oscar Oscar nominations. So uh, we're gonna go over like the major ones because uh, look. We could could we sit here and explain the difference between sound editing and sound mixing? Absolutely. Are we going to? No, not at all. It's be an eight-hour podcast. Oh Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So first of all, we have best visual effects. So nominees are uh, Avengers: Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, 1917, and Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. 1917 was a shock for me. Yeah, I'm, a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious how much of that was actually like. Well, like what what it, what it qualifies as a visual effects? Like, do explosions qualify? I mean, it's 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 visual. It's an effect. I mean, I mean, you would think it's visual. <laughs> it's an effect. It's a visual I mean, effect. it's it's sounded out. It's it's there. Not gonna lie, I kind of thought, I thought uh, at Astro, not one was gonna be in this category. Was probably gonna win. I can't yeah, see wrong. Get nominated, man. Dude, didn't he, didn't even qualify for the final shortlist. It got axed like pretty quickly. Surprisingly, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, this is this is a tough one. I think it'll probably go to either Night Seventeen or I don't know. I have a feeling it might be the Irishman, even though I don't think it should be. I think it should be uh, Avengers Endgame. I'd go Nineteen Seventeen or Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I'd, still I'd, haven't I'd seen the Irishman. I will watch that before uh, Oscars. You haven't set aside um, a nine-hour chunk of time to watch the Irishman. You, you, How dare you? You know what? Like I told you from the get-go, I said it just it was one of those movies. I just I don't know. I just don't have a desire i think thankfully because he got nominated for an oscar for like multiple oscars i think that it, it's, it'll drive my push to actually watch it yeah for sure uh let's see uh let's see what else what else is there that's notable actually we should talk about negabin hairstyling because it's actually the first year that they let in five nominees it used to be it used to be just three that was the only category that got three and it was weird for like the longest time now they have five nominees are uh, Bombshell, Joker, Judy, Maleficent, Mr. Evil, and 1917. I think those are all like a really solid crop of nominees. Yeah, Maleficent uh, absolutely has no business. Of, it will not win. I can tell you that. It, it, right. If it does, hey, uh, Alice Wonderland <laughs> won, an, won an Oscar. I, I just don't see it. Probably, probably not. I, I mean, Bombshell. I, I haven't seen the film. Seeing that, seeing that Thursday. Bombshell's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm just. I'm not quite sold on the hype. I'm sorry. I'm, a, I'm seeing it Wednesday. A, I'm seeing it Wednesday. It's a good movie, but like I said, with the performance, I mean, look, I, I will stuff. say I'm impressed. Yeah. I was impressed how much they made Charlize Theron just from the trailers. How much they made looks, her look like Megyn Kelly. She looks exactly like Megyn Kelly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah that, that was that's some scary shit. 
and even John Lithgow is um, oh, the hell's his Roger, name? Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes. Yeah, he looks just like him too. So they did a great job doing that. Don't get me wrong. To me, it was just one of these films where I just I I don't know. I'm just kind of blown away by the uh, by the you know the choosing of it for some of the from the, some of these categories and Oscars. Uh, see, best. Uh, you know, I do want to talk about cinematography because that was something. I'm glad something got in here because uh, got, got the Irishman, the Joker, uh, the Lighthouse, which I was shocked and delighted to see get an Oscar nomination because the cinematography for that film is just it's out of this world. Uh, Nine Seventeen, which is the no-brainer, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> you think they're gonna make up uh, snapping Deacon so many times? And give him another win. Yeah, I mean. What I thought Blade Runner twenty forty nine was the uh, his first W I think it was, yeah. So Roger, I, I Roger Deakins, su- w- biggest loser of the Academy. I wouldn't be surprised if if he was because nineteen seventy is a beautifully shot film. I absolutely. Mean, so I could absolutely see him going again and getting it. Yeah. Uh, so best original song. I can't let you throw yourself away from Toy Story. I'm gonna love me again, which I immediately don't remember from Rocket Man. I need to go. I need to revisit that movie. Uh, I'm stand. I'm standing with you from Breakthrough, which I didn't see. Didn't see the movie. Haven't heard the song. Uh, End of the Unknown from Frozen Two and Stand Up for for from Harriet, which I did not know. I did not know Cynthia Erivo actually helped write the song. So, yeah, I didn't know that either. So good, good for her. The one snub I think there's a there's there's a movie that came out this year called Wild Rose and had a song, a wonderful song called Glasgow. Okay. I think that was. I think people need to listen to that song because honestly. I have been super impressed with the original songs from this year. I mean, like the most impressive songs to me have been like the covers because I really love, I really love San Francisco from the Blast Black Band San Francisco. I love the rendition of Wayfaring Stranger from 1917, even though I can't find that song anywhere. Yeah, like, I that Rocket Man song I think is at the end. That is mistaken. the that is the one at the end I think. Okay, yeah. Which which may be why I don't know it as well, but <clears throat> uh, good crop, good crop. <laughs> Uh, original score: We have Joker, Little Women, Alexander. Uh, Little Women, score by Alexander Desplat. Like, Alexander Desplat is not a movie. <laughs> uh, Marriage Story by Randy Newman. So Randy Newman got double nom for two very different films this year. Yeah, kind of crazy, but it just shows how you know how long he's been in the game and how talented he is. Night uh, uh, Seventeen and Rise of Skywalker. Really sad. Endgame didn't get a nom here. Yeah, it's kind of crazy it didn't. I really think Alan Silvestri deserves some love for his score on that one, but regardless, uh, animated animated films one got it got really interesting. So the nominees are How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body. I, I hadn't I oh I would heard about it, I just hadn't seen it. It's, it's on Netflix. I never, so I'm, I'm gonna watch. I never it. even heard of it. Uh, Klaus, which got a lot of traction later on. Huge, the year. huge. A lot of people have been telling me about that right around Christmas time at work to check it out. I just never got around to it. But yeah, I know exactly which one it is on Netflix. Missing Link, which astoundingly won the Golden Globe. Which, you know what, really? Okay, it was a good movie. I mean, but it, it shouldn't have won a Golden Globe. It was a, it's a good film, don't get me wrong. And of course, but, and of course, yeah. Toy Story 4. Well, that's on a no-brainer. I mean, is it, though? I'm not, I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> But Frozen Two, man, that's uh, Frozen Two that's, got shafted it's, like it's hardcore huge. shafted. Yeah, how do you put "I Lost My Body" in over Frozen Two? I mean, they they have like a tracker to put again, like these, I guess, like foreign animated films looking like Breadwinner from a few years back. Yeah, not that's that it's true, a bad but, movie, but it's it's. I mean, I guess you got to go by what I mean, but like box office wise, Frozen Two has been absolutely dominant. Um, it was a it was a good follow up to a movie. 
like six years later because of what the first one was 2013. So it was, it's a, it was a good film. Don't get me wrong. The first one I still like better, but um, yeah, I'm really mind blown by the fact that it's not um, in there for an animated feature. Uh, but yeah, maybe we'll both see. Cause I'm, I'm planning to watch. I lost my body. It's on Netflix. You said it is on Netflix. That in class. Well, and, then I'll, and then I'll check it out. I have, no, I have no reason not to then. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going I'm to watch it now. I also haven't seen Missing Link, which is weird because I'm a huge like a guy. So that's a that's a good one. Like I said, it's not like his best, obviously, um, but it's it's still it's it's you know it's 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 a serviceable film. All right, definitely check it out. Uh, I'd, I'd go over the best international feature films list, but uh, Parasite's going to take it. It's obvious. Which sucks because does that make it a completely no chance in hell to get best picture? You know what I mean. Uh well yeah it is not your best picture spoiler alert but uh and we'll get we'll get that in a second but <clears throat> going to the screenplay category best original uh, I got the Irishman Jojo Rabbit Joker Little Women and the Two Popes I haven't seen the Two Popes it's on Netflix I'm planning to watch it I have not seen it yet again uh, I was gonna start watching it last night and our Wi-Fi was being weird so I couldn't get on and then by the time I think we just ended up watching a couple different episodes of this one little show that we're watching but uh, yeah I do I do want to watch it was it Watchmen it was not. God um, damn it! It was. It was. Listen, I we've been watching hoarders. Oh <laughs> I my this god! Is I, this is bad. I know. It, it's a guilty pleasure. We've been watching hoarders. It's I, I would. I would love to hear explain to the world why you wouldn't watch the seminal, the I seminal know. show of twenty nineteen as Watchmen, but you're watching Seriously, hoarders. This is. I'm, I'm. I'm confessing to you guys openly about this. Okay. Um. <laughs> and then what else did I watch? Uh, Neve from Catfish has a new one called. Um, True, it's like true crime or something like that, which was really fascinating. Oh, really? So we watched that. It was the first episode was about um, the one lady, the one girl who was at a party in Chicago. Do you remember? Oh, American right. Girl who yes. Was, yeah. yes. It was. It was actually really good. Um, but um, yeah. Anyway, that was the first episode, and it was like really like as soon as you watched, I'm like, oh god. So it was like 45 minutes of your time. Like it's you're invested in it. It was. It's really fascinating. <laughs> More, more, right. more or less investing than abducted in plain sight. <sighs> Apparently, remember that movie? Jesus Christ! They are they making a second season of it? They're making another a, a sequel. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. I'm, oh how man, do you, how do you find a dumber family? <laughs> oh man, I remember telling you, I was like, Chance, you have to watch this. Yeah, I, I remember you telling me that. My mom told me. My mom told me about it. I'm just like, no, no, this can't, this can't be real. And, and I, I, I messaged like, you. I said, oh, Chance, God. you have to watch this. <laughs> Um, uh, for this category, I'm, I I kind of want Jojo Rabbit to take it because I love, I love Taika Waititi. I think he's a wonderful writer. I feel like it might go a little Little Women though, which I don't think I don't think it's the least deserving in this category. But it's okay. Actually, it's probably the, the second the second most. But I can see Jojo or Little Women. Uh, I hope it's Jojo. I don't, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing some love for Jojo Rabbit, especially because I, I don't think it's gonna get love anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, these are these small categories that they have to take over in order to, um, yeah, to try to make up some ground. But it was nice to see Scarlett Joe get get in. Yeah, we'll get, get yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, as original screenplay, we have Knives Out, which was a surprise to me. Uh, Marriage, I didn't see that. So Marriage Story, uh, Night Seventeen, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Again, it, it was a genuine shock to see Knives Out. Not that I don't love the film, I love the film, but. I didn't think it'd get like that much. I didn't think it'd get a, get enough to get an Oscar nomination, which I'm I'm glad because I I love Ryan Johnson. I think he did a great job writing that film. This this is actually a really tough one because I have no idea where this one's gonna go. I, mean, I don't know. Do they give it to uh, Tarantino? Is my question. I don't think so. he already ha- he already has two. 
And I don't think I don't know. I, I think, would love to see. You were saying? I was. I'd love. To, I'd love to see Parasite win this one. I would too. I'd love to see. Par- I mean, I, I would love to see Parasites, yeah. Knives Out, or even Marriage Story. I'd, I'd like to see take it. Yeah, Marriage Story is fine. Yeah, I, I think some of these earlier categories, as you're watching the Oscars, will set the tone of where I think the voting's going to go. Probably, a, probably right. Yeah. Uh, best supporting actress we have Kathy Bates, Laura Dern. Oh, Kathy Bates, Richard Jewell, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Women, and Margot Robbie for Bombshell again. Only one I, only one here I have not seen is Bombshell. I'm doing that Wednesday. But I've seen all of those ones. Uh, are you, uh, you saw you saw Bombshell too? That's yeah, right. I did you, see you, were, you were just saying you did. Um, I did. Yeah, like I said, to me, it's not. I mean, I think Margot Robbie's way better than I, Tonya. Um, but I mean, good for her. Um, Florence Pugh, I, I think she, I mean, she was good in, in Little Women. Don't get me wrong. I think she was better in Midsummer. Call me, I mean, call me crazy. But uh, some of the things I see here from from that, right? Um, J Lo, obviously, and uh, J Lo, huge, huge snub. Yeah. Because I don't think we really need Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell. She's good in it, don't get me wrong, but her role in there is not that big. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love Kathy Bates. I love, her, I love her Richard Jewell, but I do think that J-Lo brought something. Brought a side of herself too. that I've never I've never seen her do before. Exactly, and we'll talk about a, a, another person who got snubbed too, and that's that same type of setting there. But um, this is Laura Dern's, I guess, for, from what I hear. It's like I, I, yeah, with, with, J, with J-Lo gone, this is basically, it's, it's Laura Dern. Like that's, yeah. that's it. I'm 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 willing to p- place money that Laura Dern gonna take this one. Oh, for sure. Uh, best supporting actor we have Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci for The Irishman, and Brad Pitt once by time in Hollywood. Just like with the last one, I feel like this is I feel like this is pits to lose. Yeah, this is pits to lose. I think this is gonna be, you know, Pitt has been such a beacon in Hollywood for the last. 30 years, 30 plus years, and uh, never garnered a uh, Oscar. I think this is his year to take it. Um, Pacino and Pesci are going to take votes from one another. Anthony Hopkins already has one, and Hanks has two, so I don't think they're going to go. Actually, I don't, I don't see every, them. Everyone in this category has one except Brad Pitt. Yeah. So this is this has to be Brad Pitt's. It's almost like a. Um, yeah, it's like they're almost having an Oscar party and they're inviting Brad Pitt in, like Pesci, Pacino, <laughs> Hopkins, and Hanks are all having Come a party. On in. Like, you know what? We want you to be part of this crowd. We want you to be part of this elite group. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't see Brad Pitt not winning. No, I agree. I think this is. I'd be shocked if he lost. Although, look, I'm not saying I'd, okay again. I haven't seen two pups, but I do think that Pesci's doing something very. He's doing something really interesting in as yeah. really against his type in the in the Irishman. Okay. And I love what Tom Hanks brought in the Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And might you know, might hear about that later, but. Uh, yeah, I think that I would bet on Pitt for this one. Yeah, I would too. And and I, I just think Pacino and Pesci are going to draw from each other. So it's, and like I said, with Tom Hanks winning two best, uh, actors back to back in 93 and 94, I can't see, I know that doesn't really, you know, make a difference, but, um, I just, I can't see Brad Pitt not winning this. Uh, going to best actress. You have Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. That was a shock. Uh, Scarlett Johansson Marriage Story, making her, I believe, the first person to get double acting noms since Jamie Foxx in 04. Yeah, with what, Ray and... Um, collateral. Collateral, that's right, yeah. Even though that was total category fraud. He was not supporting in Collateral. He was a lead. No, he was a lead. I mean, yeah, they were both co-leads in that film. No, I, th- I think Cruz is the supporting. 
I, I would. You think Cruz's Cruz more supporting? Yes, I do. Absolutely. That's 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 tough. I don't know. It's because it, they both. You know, we, I mean, we talked about it. It's, it's it, yeah. it was it was Fox's story in that movie. It is, but still, it's yeah. I don't know Vincent's story there too. I don't know. That's tough. Uh, we also have Sarsha Ronan for Little Women, Charlie Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. Uh, this is actually really. This is really hard, actually. I don't know who's. Well, actually, okay, take that back. You you can count uh, Cynthia Erivo out. Yeah, I don't know what the hell. I don't know what the hell she's doing here. I don't think she does either. I think Charlie Theron you can count out. I think it's going to be between Johansson, Sorsi Ronan, and Zellweger. I think I think I don't think Sorsi Ronan stands. Look, I don't. I like her a little quite a bit. I don't think she stands a chance against those two. I. You think it's between Johansson and Zellweger? I do. I really do. Yeah. I think I think I think this is the year Scarlett Joe gets in. I really do. I hope so, but at the same time, I think the her her Zellberg's winning the Globes maybe pushes them. I I thought her momentum was gone. I thought it was done. Then she won so the Globes. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm just like, okay, maybe not. I really don't think she should be the one. Uh, to she's win. yeah, she's fantastic in that she, film though. She look, she's great, but at the yeah. same time, I think Scarlett Johansson does some one some, some something like truly wonderful and. Marriage story, but uh, yeah, we, we digress. We'll, we'll get in. I'll, I'll, we'll talk more about that just in a bit. Our uh, next category we're talking about is best actor. So, nominees are Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory, which I don't think either of us saw. Uh, no, yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't either, but uh, I, 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 I wa- I'm gonna watch it now just because of the buzz getting and I, I want to, I want to see it. And I've heard I, he's been getting Oscar buzz for like the entire year, so I'm glad he actually. Okay. Got the lock. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in One Fine Hollywood. Uh, Adam Driver in Marriage Story. Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. And Jonathan Price for The Two Pups. So interesting thing about this one, as opposed to last year where it was like four real-life people and one character. This is four characters and one real-life person. So I do like the I do like the kind of little paradigm shift. But Yeah. Uh, I think this comes down to... Okay, like, again, I haven't, see, haven't seen two of these performances. Uh... And I do think there's some big snubs, which we'll I'll get to when we get to our oh list. Oh my god, let's not even talk about that. Well, yeah, disgusting. No, we're, we're, yeah, exactly. We'll, uh, we'll we'll get to that in a second. But uh, I think this is a, a, a two man race between Driver and Phoenix. I wouldn't be surprised if Driver wins it. I don't. You know what? I, I do like Joaquin Phoenix's performance. I just don't want. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm starting to get like off the hype train with Joker. Not, I, no, I just I've, rewatched it. I, I, second I, I've I've been off the hype train for that shit. <laughs> it, it's just it's, to me. It's like it's a good film. Don't get me wrong. And like like my wife was just like really like mesmerized by it. I'm just like it's a good performance. Don't get me wrong. But it's like there are so many other performances out there this year that didn't even get they even garner a nomination that I I love. I would put up against it just because of the fact that he played somebody who's you know unstable. You know what I mean? He played it well. Don't get me wrong. Especially like I, just... I remember I saw a clip on Twitter. It was, it was a clip of him on the Murray Franklin show. Yeah. That, I think, okay, isolated from the rest of the film, that clip does not play well at all. It's it's weird. You're talking about the ending of the film? No, not the ending. The one where he's. Uh, oh, I guess I guess it's kind oh, of the end. Where where he's on the talk show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah. Watching it again the second time, I think I was just more mesmerized the first time. Yeah, um, just because I, of the buzz, you know? yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I don't think it really holds up on repeat viewing. Again, I like the film well enough, but yeah, I'm. Kinda, I mean, I bought it on, I, I bought it on Blu-ray. I, I watched it again for the second I don't, time. I don't, I don't missed. think, it, it was, I, I don't think it's eleven Oscar nominations good. No, no, and that's the thing that I'm really, 
and I, when we talk about our top 20 nominations, we'll have a little talk about that. Yeah. But yeah, Joker, 11 nominations, most of any movie this year. That is crazy. It is because there's so much that you've left out. You know what I mean? It's just, this is just really the years that you want them to recognize comic book films or comic characters, they don't. You know what I mean? And then when you when you kind of are like, eh, we really don't need you to, then they overload it. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, I don't know. Again, this is this is also really like it feels like a comic book movie tailor made to appeal to the Academy. Because like, I mean, yeah, I, mean, you, I would, you look I would at, say so. You look at something like Dark Knight, where like it, it is a dark, it is a, it is a mature film, but it also has the elements of a comic book film. I feel like this, I feel like where that embrace it, Joker feels like it's it's pushing them away. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I, I agree. It's more an Oscar baby film than a Dark Knight performance, yeah. whereas Dark Knight's more, you know, you get the aspects and the aesthetics of a comic book film. Yeah, I, 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 I can go with you on that. Yeah, uh, best director, this one. This one. <laughs> and I present to you the all-male nominees for best director. <laughs> uh, no room for women in this category. No, no room at all. Uh, nominees no are Martin Scorsese in The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, which I think is crazy. I think we don't. I don't think we need him in there. We do not. Uh, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon Ho for Parasite. Glad to see him get some love in there. Uh, me, oh, me too, man. Uh, I this is this is actually really. Th- I don't. I'd be sh- I'd be a little disappointed if it went to Marty or Todd Phillips. I don't think it's going to go to Marty just because he's already had his and he's been nominated how many times? Well, um, it's like uh, you know what but, I mean. But much like Deacon, it's just, could, could this be like, uh, look, we're sorry we snubbed you. Here's a second Oscar. But yeah, it's going to be uh, you know, there's so many other films that this guy should have won another one for, or should have won his first one for. Um, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised Mendez gets it. Um, I, I don't know. I'd love to see Bong John very Hill. wonderfully directed. I, I wouldn't matter if Sam Mendes won. I wouldn't be, and I would be really. I really would like to see Bong Bong Joon Ho. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Mendez, Tarantino, or Bong Joon Ho take it. I, if I had my choice, yeah, and Tarantino, yeah. If I had I my agree. choice, I would say Bong Joon Ho. Yeah, I would too, just because of the fact I. That's a fantastic movie. Um, yeah, so I would. Yeah, I, I'd go with you on that. And the best picture nominees are Ford vs Ferrari, which I was genuinely shocked. I love the film. I did not think you get a best picture nomination. A good film, um, especially with no acting um, nominations at all, which is really kind of head-scratching. But yeah, No acting, no screenplay. No nothing, yeah. It's kind of crazy. Uh, the Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Night 17, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. And oh my god, can you utilize the 10th spot? You use your please? fucking 10th spot already. Jeez, I, this pisses me off, man. I hate this. And like, well, you know, it's, it's not like let's they, have it. It's not like, look, like last few, last few years they nominated eight. Not only did that again, they got so close to the 10th. Yeah, dude, there's like 15 movies that I think you and I could easily agree on. 15, 15 movies that can get in there for Best Picture that should be nominated in there. Absolutely. And you have this one less spot. And you're just, you're not, we're just not going to, we're just going to use it. Put something in there. Shit. Who cares? If it's not going to win, who gives a shit? Exactly. Oh, uh, so stupid. I, I really, I for, I for a for a bit, I remember when I heard, when Endgame came out, it was huge. Like, it's going to get a Best Picture nomination. I thought, ah, I don't know. Then I thought, oh, you know what Avatar did for doing like a monumental cinematic achievement? Maybe, maybe it's not, it's possible. Especially with 10 spots. And they don't even use the goddamn 10 spot. Seriously. It's just like, it's stupid. 
and they give just make just make nine spots and if you're going to be like a just, just, just decrease the spots go back to five fuck it yeah <laughs> i like the five it's more intimate i think it just it makes it more tightly knit um yeah. the nominations i think uh but yeah uh so i think this is the best picture race is actually pretty tough i feel like 1917 is mounting a lot of uh, traction. Marriage Story's been on the board for a while, though. I don't so, think I, mean, I don't think that'll win Best Picture. I feel like you might get I don't, I don't, either. I don't think it'll win Best Picture. Um, you can count Ford versus Ferrari out. That doesn't have a shot. JoJo yeah. doesn't really have a shot. I don't know. It did win the same award that uh, Green Book won at Tribeca, Cannes, something like that. That'd be crazy, man. That, that'd be a huge upset. That, like, if think if JoJo of Rabbit won Best Picture, I'd be... Like legitimately shocked. I mean, it's a great film. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's the best picture of the year. I mean, it's definitely a good film. Don't get me wrong. I liked it, but I don't know. I, uh, if I had to guess, I mean, I, if, if I had to place my money on something, I would. I would put it on 1917. I would too, just to err on the side of caution. I would go 1917 or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's still a stretch too. Yeah, although that, it did win the Globe for best uh, musical or comedy, which I do think is a little. Yeah, it, you know it's funny. I didn't even notice until it was all over that the farewell got shut out. Dude, I could not believe that. I, I was like, dude, when I saw the farewell, I was like, oh, this movie is fantastic. I thought and, I, I thought um, Aquafina was for sure gonna get a numb. Nothing. Taron Egerton also got shut up. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It's just like really crazy year for um, then you know, Rami Malek lip syncs his way to an Oscar, and you have somebody who actually sings. It's just it's crazy. Sings. Bring some genuine pa- okay, but maybe we'll talk about Terry Entertainment in a bit. But right now, uh, we're done with the Oscar nomination, so we now go to our top twenty performances of twenty nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. I'm like, what year was it? Nineteen. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I don't know if you have any honorable mentions on your list that you want to bring up before we uh, before we start the whole thing. I do. I just have a couple. Okay. Uh, I just want to go ahead and throw out, like, make a disclaimer. I'm not putting Joaquin Phoenix on here for Joker. Um, I love the performance. Don't get me wrong. As I like was constructing a list, I'm like, well, crap. I left that Joaquin Phoenix. I left that Christian Bale and Matt Damon in Ford versus Ferrari too. Um, to me, I just wanted to get a different. I just wanted my list to be different. I wanted to have it like a little bit more flavor in it. You know what I mean? I didn't want it to be just like, oh yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is on every list. And as I thought about it, I'm like, these these guys deserve to be recognized in our list here. I really enjoyed some of these performances a lot. So I kind of didn't want to go too, you know what I mean, too cookie cutter. I kind of right. wanted to break out from right. that a little bit. All right. So uh, I'll mention for you. That, what, was, oh, was that it? Yeah, Walking Phoenix, Christian Bale, Matt Damon. I would say those are the those are the three that I I just I have jotted down here. All right, and because I keep track of these all year, so I, I have a bunch. So uh, I'll mention I have. So we've got uh, Liam Neeson for Cold Pursuit. I feel like a, a massively ignored movie and performance. He's really good in that film. Uh, Zachary Levi and Shazam. I think I think he was I think he one of my favorite new portrayals of a superhero probably my, probably my favorite portrayal of a DC superhero in quite some time I I really probably since Christian Bale's Batman honestly like I think he's really great uh, RDJ and Chris Evans for Avengers Endgame I feel like this this is their last shot and they really brought their A game uh, Charlie Theron and Seth Rogen for Long Shot I just watched the movie again recently they're both fantastic in the film uh, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves and John Wick 3. People don't give him enough credit for how much acting he brings to those movies. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Beanie Feldstein for Booksmart. One, my favorite my favorite youth performance of the year until I saw 
someone else. That's the entire saw Roman Griffin Davis in JoJo Rabbit, who also didn't make the list. But uh, Gabriel Bateman for Child's Play, which I know sounds like a shock, but he's like gen. He's genuinely giving a great performance in that film. I thought he. I thought he was. I, I thought he did something really great. I can't. I really want to see him get some more, some more, some meteor old and some like really like heavier movies. I think he'd do really well. Uh, Emma Thompson for Late Night might be on your list. I don't know. Uh, Viviette Carla, who played the lead in Blinded by the Light, I thought he was really great. Uh, yeah, Adam Brody in Ready or Not, Jesse Eisenberg in The Art of Self Defense, two uh, two <laughs> great performances, two really dark, com- dark comedies. I already brought up Wild Rose. Jesse Buckley's really good in that. Uh, Bill Hader and the under underappreciated Isaiah Mustafa in It Chapter Two, like I said, Walking Phoenix and Joker, Jillian Bell and Brittany Runs a Marathon, Aaron Paul and El Camino, Breaking Bad movie really brought some new dimension to a character that I really brought a new dimension that I didn't think was possible with that character. Uh, Renee Zellweger for Judy did not make my list, did not make it. She was close, but didn't make the cut. Uh, Robert De Niro for The Irishman, Ana de Armas for Knives Out, and like I said, Roman Griffin Davis for Jojo Rabbit. So, that's my own mentions. Uh, Russell, you want to give your number 20? Yeah, number 20, uh, we just talked about her and her Oscar snub. Uh, Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers I have kicking that she's, off. She's my 22. That's <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, kind of just what you said, to echo what you said. It was one of those things where J-Lo really had just done the same type of film all the time. Like though she's in a romantic, you know, comedy type films and she just really didn't test herself as an actress. I think the only time I really seen her break out of that was maybe like Selena. And, um, well, she was really good and out of sight. She was really good. Um, out of sight. but you have a couple of those and like, basically she put the portrayed the same role in most of the films, but this was a really different side that we never saw Jennifer Lopez portray. And I think she knocked it out of the park. I really enjoyed her performance in it. I think Hustlers is a very underrated film. I don't know how it didn't get any love whatsoever. Um, and I think her performance in it's fantastic. I think it should have absolutely been, um, you know, recognized for an Oscar. So I have her kicking off my list at number twenty. Yeah, like I said, she J Lo brought something from her to she brought something to that role that I'd never seen her do before. And I think that it could have been so easy to have that character be just like generic. Generic-ish bad guy, but yeah. she really brought a lot of pathos, a lot of nuance to that role. The one where like she's really likable, you do really, you really feel for Ramona in that film. You do, but then you also feel like for the whole why they're doing what they're doing. Like you're sympathetic towards those characters, and I I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and she she brings she brings her egg into that role. Ship like 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 we both said, should have been nominated for an Oscar. Absolutely, it's it's really a travesty because. Actors and actresses like Jennifer Lopez don't get a lot of chances to to get into that type of elite group of being nominated for an Oscar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when they do deliver performance, like career performing, you know, performances, I we shy away from nominating them. It's a shame. Yeah, I I, I have a few of those on my list. Uh, going to your number nineteen, Russ. My number nineteen is somebody who already made the list, but I'm I'm putting her on for a different movie. It's Florence Pugh for Midsommar. Um, uh, interesting. I just really enjoyed her performance in this one. I think we get a different range of acting from her. Um, it's not just the you know the Little Women you know esque performance that you get in that film. This one really a whole different range of emotions as somebody who is suffering from tragic loss and then just wrestling through all the stuff of like trying to you know cope and get through it. Um, I think she's really mesmerizing in this film, and I, I think it's a very underrated film. I like I, I've seen this movie twice. Really enjoyed it. 
And um, I think her performance in it, she's really shining as an actress, and she's really a bright light there in Hollywood. And I really enjoy her. And I think, like I said, it's one of those performances where I think she tests herself more as an actress as opposed to her performance in Little Women. So I have Florence Pugh, Midsommar, number 19. Okay, yeah. So uh, coming at my number 19, I have someone who didn't make your list, uh, Christian Bale for Ford vs. Ferrari. Okay. Uh, I think that, look, Matt Damon's great in that movie, but Christian Bale just steals every scene he's in. He's great. Like, Absolutely. The the attitude he brings to this role, like the, co- the cockiness, the skill, but also he, uh, the warmth he brings to his family, like the stuff with his wife and stuff with his son are both re- are both really great. Yeah. Not not to not to mention like he's just like, the intensity he has behind the driving of this, and not to mention like he shows a wide range of emotion without really showing much. Like at yeah, all. I agree. Like y- you understand, like it, it's it's all within the face, and I do I do think that he's easily the highlight of that film. Not, not, not to say like Tenet needs a highlight movie is great, but he yeah is, for sure. I, I, I think he's definitely the standout. No, I agree absolutely. All right, number eighteen. All right. So my number eighteen was one of your honorable mentions. It's funny how our like our lists are kind of like similar. Um, I got RDJ for Endgame. Um, uh, kind of just what you said. It was one of these things where you have, you know, eleven years of films and just a whole career resurgence here for Robert Downey Jr. in general. Um, you know, all the all the trouble that he had, you know, in his in his personal life and stuff like that, and then finally getting it back and like you know. Um, getting a chance to, you know, headline of Iron Man film, John Favreau, you know, gambling and putting him in, in, you know, 2008's Iron Man. And then to see what we've done with it since then, it's nothing short of, you know, spectacular. Um, RDJ is the heart and soul of the Marvel, you know, at the MCU. Um, and I, you know, you can't really argue that. I mean, I'd be damned if anybody tried to argue, argue that, but, um, his performance in Endgame is fantastic. Like I said, it's 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 brief, but the scenes count. And you know, you go back to it, and when the movie ends, you just think about how much RDJ has meant to the MCU. So yeah, it's it's kind of hard pressed that they didn't at least put him in for a supporting actor nom. So I have RDJ for Endgame, my number eighteen. I tell you, man, it was so hard to leave RDJ off because I, I love I love the performance. That is one of my favorite portrayals of a superhero ever put to film. It's it's like him and. It's it, it's like him and Hugh Jackman, Wolverine. I love those two performances immensely, and yeah, he's he's great in Endgame. Really, For sure, really makes you really really hits you with all the feels in that film. But I, I agree. Yep. Yes, this goes back my list. Uh, my number eighteen is Ewan McGregor in Doctor Sleep. Okay. Uh, Doctor Sleep was a movie that I I was looking forward to it. I didn't I didn't know I liked it as much as I did. I think that it hinged. That movie lived and died in the performance of Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor brings he brings such an such an interesting dimension to and such an interesting point of view to the character of Danny Torrance, someone who he went through this big traumatic experience. Like you think about it, you're just like you watch the performance, you realize, yeah, no, Danny Torrance probably would be pretty fucked up in the head after everything that happened to him at the Overlook. And to portray that that guilt and that PTSD and while also you know bring some light and some hope into that, I love his dynamic with uh, Cliff Curtis. I love his dynamic with uh, the girl Abra. Yeah, I think was her name. And yeah, he he is really fantastic. He is really fantastic in this film. Like he brings he brings a side of Danny Torrance that I didn't know I I, he, I, I didn't know I wanted to see. 
Yeah, I agree. It's it's a shame that it did so underwhelming at the uh, box office. Um, it was a fantastic film, though. It really was a good underrated film, and it's a film that I've actually been thinking about, like a little bit here and there, just like just thinking about it and just wanting to re- revisit it. Right. All right. So going to your number seventeen. Going to my number seventeen, I have another stump that we were talking about earlier. Uh, Taron Edgerton for Rocket Man. I have um, him uh, a little higher on my list, but go ahead. It was just one of those ones where I think he really embraced the role of Elton John, and I just think everything about the film was really like across the universe esque, but it was like it was done well. Um, but done by know, a sane, kinda, but done by a sane person. Yes, not somebody who was on LSD. Well, not as much LSD, maybe, but anyway. But definitely LSD. Uh, but Ellis, some kind of drugs for sure. Um, but like how we were saying last year, you know, with um, you know Bohemian Rhapsody and Rami Malek winning for you know Best Actor, which we both were just kind of like head scratching about because it's just it's one of those things where the the performance was good, but it wasn't great, and I think that's the you know the line here. And I think Taron Edgerton like puts himself in a different level because of the fact he does sing. He does really bring Elton John to life, and he does all of his own singing. He doesn't need help from you know, synthesizing his voice and all this stuff. So to me, I just, I really enjoy this performance and I love Elton John's one of my favorite musicians. So I had to show some love because I really think that uh, he definitely got snubbed for an Oscar nomination. So I got Taron Edgerton as Elton John and Rockin' Man, my number 17. Okay, yeah, going to my number 17, I have someone you actually had on your lip for a different performance. I have Florence Pugh, but okay. I have her for Little Women. Nice. Okay. I just watched. I just watched yesterday. I knew Florence Pugh was yeah. going to get on my list for something. Yeah. Because she gave three really good performances this year, and it was close between Midsommar and this one. But the reason I picked Little Women is because, look, Amy March was always my least favorite character of Little Women. I yeah. always found her to be an unlikable, materialistic brat. But I do think Florence Pugh does everything she can to try yeah. and make. It's it's also part of the writing too. She does a lot to make Amy. Actually, really likable and really sympathetic. And okay, really, yeah, no, I agree. And really humanized. Like, I was impressed how much... I was impressed how much I got behind Amy's whole plight in in the movie. Uh, yeah, like, I like to show it a lot in, the, in that film, but, yeah, uh, Florence Pugh absolutely steals the entire film. Like, she, she, I think, might be... She's not... Okay, she's not the MVP. Not the MVP actor of the year. She's definitely, like, top two or three. She's having a great, fantastic year, man. This oh, wonder, three, wonderful. Three, three for three, man. Wonderful fucking year. Uh, but yeah, her performance in Little Women, I think, is just on a whole... It, it, it's it's on a whole new level. And in fact, it's, it, it is very polar opposite for what she did in Midsommar, and it's very close, yeah. but yeah. gave the slight edge to Little Women for making me like a character who I've never... I never liked at all. And it's a shame that those people that left the theater won't get to know that. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. You know what? I will, t- I, I will tell the story right now. So I went to see Little Women last night. It was oh, 8 o'clock, I love that message. Eight o'clock I show. Yeah, and I there were like five people in the theater, including me. About actually, there were seven, but the fir- the first couple to my left, like God, I've been left like fifteen twenty minutes of the movie. The it's four a slow people, burn, man. It's good. The though. four people sitting right in front of me left like forty five minutes to an hour, and I'm just like, what the? F-? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I actually, yeah. I straight up, I I stood up to make sure I was the only one in the theater at that point. I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm doing this now. <laughs> Hey, I was the only one in my theater saying that. I mean, it's a slow burn, but it's good. I mean, you just have to, you have to get there. It's the story it's, in itself is not, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's Little Women. You have to pay for. Yeah, it's it's not going to be like a Michael Bay film. You know, it's it's, it's it not, takes it's, a little takes a lot to get there. By the way, my my number, my number fifteen, Ryan Reynolds, six hundred grand. No, I'm kidding. Uh, 
All right, my number 16 is probably going to be a little bit higher up on your list, but um, nonetheless, look, Pete Nyong'o for us. Um, you, you'd be correct. Yeah, I figure. Um, I just think she really is coming around as an actress, as like the actress here in Hollywood. I mean, she's just been tremendous in everything she's done. Um, top to bottom, she really brings a different side of her character in us. We get to see you know, different sides of her playing two characters in this film. Um, and I just think she's fantastic in the film. And, um, you know, the way an actress can really test themselves by playing, you know, portraying two different types of characters in a film, she does it to a T. She does it well. And, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. She didn't get any uh, any love for, like, even just, like, a supporting actress or whatever. But, uh, yeah, little P.T. Nyong'o I have as my number 16 for us. Yeah, I'll tell I'll my piece about Pizza Nyong'o later, in the film, later, later on in the show. Uh, going to my number 16, I have Robert Pattinson in The Lighthouse. Okay. Uh, Pattinson, I think we've said on the show multiple times, but in case, uh, Pattinson's an actor who I've really come around on since the Twilight years. He's really, him and Stewart have really done a lot to show that they are better than those movies. Yeah. And I think Pattinson, this is, I go back and forth between bad performance between, the, between this and Good Time because he's excellent in both. Yeah, uh, the lighthouse. He really shows does a great job of showing the gradual descent into madness, which I need to finish because I'm literally like 25 minutes I think from finishing that movie. Oh, uh, seriously, damn. Yeah, I started it and watched it, and it was one of those ones where it was like super. Kind of how you're saying, you're like you're slowly getting crazier and crazier as the movie progresses. Yeah, and, and it's amazing how much that performance changes from the, from the opening to the to the closing, and yeah, uh, he brings. Like, you want to talk about intensity. You want to talk about acting with just facial expressions. Robert Pattinson does that. He does that very well. Robert Robert Eggers directed him, directed the shit out of Robert Pattinson, and I think that just like the the intensity, the slow, the gradual decline, the character growth, the arc he has in the entire film, I think is absolutely fantastic. I think he's I think he's excellent in the Lighthouse, uh, and yeah, uh, number 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 sixteen. I think he I think he's absolutely wonderful. I like it. Our right, number fifteen, I have a shared spot just because they're both in the film and they both like pretty much have the same amount of leverage in this film. Talk about Caitlin Dever and Bernie Feldstein for Booksmart. Caitlin, Caitlin, Caitlin Dever, Caitlin Dever, Caitlin Dever. Sorry, Caitlin Dever. Caitlin Dever. Caitlin, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't written down. I can't even read my own writing. Shut up. Caitlin Dever. Uh, was it Dever or Dever? Dever. Dever. Oh my god. Okay. And Bernie uh, Feldstein for Beanie. Booksmart. Close enough. Uh, is it Bernie or Beanie? Beanie. Jesus Lord, I, my 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 writing <laughs> shit here on this list. I you can tell I was putting it together. I'm just like, okay, I just like scribbled. I can't even read. You gotta go. Dig- um, I, gotta go digital, man. Gotta go digital. I do. Apparently, I have to. Um, but yeah, I just thought their performances in Booksmart really fantastic, and just kind of follow in the footsteps of Super Bad, but then kind of get it from a female perspective, and you have two kids that. You know, we're working so hard to get into the prestigious schools and stuff like that, that they just kind of didn't have a life in high school. And they realized that the kids that they thought were like like slackers and stuff like that actually got into just as good schools, if not better schools. And they're like, wait a minute. Like, so they pick one night to kind of just say, hey, you know what? Let's just live it up in this night. I just like it. It's a, it's a good coming of age film. I think it, it really does a great job, you know. Uh, conveying all the emotions that they kind of were wrestling with with this whole entire film. I think Olivia Wilde knocks it out of the park in her directorial debut. Um, and I just, I, I enjoy this film. So yeah, I have them. I'm just going to put, I'm just going to say them as my number 15 for Booksmart. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, fair, it's a fair one. I actually have a very similar case in a few spots. Okay. But, 
Yeah. I, w- I would lean towards Beanie Feldstein over Caitlin Dever. I would too, but like the thing is, it's like I feel like they both, you know, I mean, it could be like either or. So I was just kind of like, eh, I'll All just right. I'll put that in there. Uh, so my number 15 is Eddie Murphy for Dolomite is my name. Okay. Uh, so Dolomite is my name. That was like Eddie Murphy's, this was Eddie Murphy's like big comeback film. Like he's he is really he's really great in it. I think that not only does he because do, you think about when playing Rudy Ray Moore, you have to play him his personal life. You also have to play his persona of Dolomite on stage. First of all, he nails the do, the Dolomite comedy to a T. Like I think he he nails the cadence, he nails the delivery. While he he does take from Rudy Ray Moore, but also makes the comedy his own, which I think is a really really great thing. But I also like what he does with Rudy and his personal struggle and his personal life because this was someone who, this was a guy who I think I said it before on the show, but he was someone who he tried to break into Hollywood. Hollywood told him he's like, "No, you can't do that." He's like, "The hell I can't!" And he did it anyway. <laughs> and That's funny. He, he brings such heart, brings such warmth, and like honestly, you really, it really does a good job getting you to get behind Rudy Ray Moore. It really gets you a great job making you feel concerned for him, even though you know. Well, even for me, like I knew how it was going to turn out for him, but I still felt worried. I still felt worried for him. Yeah, and I think that's all on Eddie Murphy's performance. Well, the writing as well, but Eddie Murphy's performance really makes you buy into. It, it, it really puts you on edge, and I do think he does a wonderful, wonderful job in this film. All right. Well, moving into my 14th spot, I have Dakota Johnson for Peanut Butter Falcon. Ooh, um, that's that. Just that's a sleeper pick. I didn't. I didn't think. I, I haven't heard anybody talk about her in that movie. But yeah, go ahead. Go I ahead. just. I just thought she was really good in this film. It gave you a different type of Dakota Johnson. Obviously, the last time we our last movie. Last we, time we, we saw. Her. <laughs> last time we saw Oliver. Um, but anyway, um, it was just one of these different types of performances for Dakota Johnson. I think as an actress, um, really trying to step up and take a more serious approach to things. I love this whole entire triage of characters that we get in this film, and I love following the journey. Um, of the kid in this film to meet the wrestler. Um, I just, I, I really like this film. It's such a really feel good film. You leave with a big smile on your face. And I think Dakota Johnson just really tests herself as an actress. We're not in these, you know, 50 shades movies. We're not in these like rom-com chick flick movies. Um, we're really trying to get into a more serious aspect of acting. And I, I, I really like her in this film. So I have Dakota Johnson as my number 14 for peanut butter Falcon. That, that, that's actually like a genuine shock to me. So my number, <laughs> Uh, my number 14 is her Peanut Butter Falcon co-star, Shia LaBeouf. But I had him for Honey Boy. I do like – I like Honey Peanut Boy Butter, is good. I like Peanut Butter Falcon more than I like, than I like Honey Boy the movie. But oh. I think Shia's better performance is in Honey Boy just because you really feel that personal touch. Because this, yeah. this is based on his real-life father, and, he, and he's the one playing his father. Yeah. And you really just you, – you really, like, feel – like I said, you, you really feel like this is Shia's most personal role to date, because he strips it down raw. It's it's like this is his life. This is what he lived. And um, yeah, Honey Boy was really a fantastic film. Um, and you feel that you feel that whole entire like uncomfortableness, the you know the sympathetic towards the character and stuff like that of his upbringing and stuff like it, that. It's, it's just it, you also yeah. feel such mixed emotions about the father. Like sometimes you hate him, sometimes you love him. But yeah, it's a roller coaster of emotions. You feel like you're on his team, then you hate him. He's an awful dad, but then like he. Tra- but he's trying, and maybe he was raised that way. That's the reason why maybe he's raising his son that way. So you, you do feel sympathetic towards him, too. It's such, a, it's such a complex, nuanced portrayal of a character like this, and I think that I think that he does it extremely well. I think it's a shame that Shia, Shia gives two of the best performances of his entire career, Yeah, and he didn't get recognized for either. So I think that's 
a little, I think it's a little sad, but yeah, Shia LaBeouf in Honey Boy is genuinely excellent. All right, uh, going into my thirteen, uh, we're gonna keep in with Peanut Butter Falcon again. Um, that the Zach uh, Zach Gostikin, Gostikin. I knew Gostikin. you. Were, I knew you were doing this shit. So go ahead. Uh, God, what a feel good, what a feel good film, man. I just I love this film. He is fantastic in this film, and um, yeah, I just he just it's one of the ones where you just you're so like you're on the journey with this kid. You know, you you feel everything he's feeling. Um, you feel bad for him because like other people are telling him like he, he shouldn't be doing this or shouldn't be going on doing this. And then like, he wants to do this and you just want him to meet the damn wrestler. You know, you just want him to meet the wrestler. That's all you want him to do. You want him to like really be a wrestler and just this, the whole entire film is a feel good film. And I just think he was fantastic in this film. And it's a damn shame that he didn't get any recognition like at all. Cause I think he was really fantastic in this film for sure. I'm glad you did. I, I'm glad you didn't. Uh, I'm glad you expect me to put him on there. <laughs> no, because, Jeez, because uh, no, because, no, because okay. you because you did this thing last year. I swear, I swear. When did I twenty last year? You have like twenty performances across like five or six films. I did, but yeah. uh, this is you know what I'm going to tell you what right now though honestly. So I have one movie, two, three, four, five, six. I got seven different films right now. I'm pretty good. I'm I, listen. Yeah, you're, you're, this you're, you're was a better year. You're, yeah, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll see. I, 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 the the rest the rest of your list is all from the same movie. No, okay. <laughs> that's uh, no, actually, it's 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 pretty good. It's pretty diverse. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, going to my number thirteen, I also have a tie because like like uh, it's, it's not the Booksmart Girls. These, these two different ones that I think are very intertwined. It's uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. See, I was going to put them as one, and I didn't, and I just kind of just because I have both of them on my list, and I just didn't, um, yeah. So right, and yeah, I, I did, I did want, I, I don't usually like doing this, but like I think that these performances are so intertwined, like you can't, you can't have one without the other. Like there's sometimes where it's like Scarlett Johansson's, Scarlett Johansson's yeah. better performance than the thing. No, Adam Driver's better, better performance, and it's just, it's just a whole back and forth, and it reminds me a lot of. Uh, uh, Ryan Gosling, Michelle Williams, Blue Valentine. Those performances are just so interconnected that it's hard to it's hard to pick out which one's your favorite. But because a lot of their acting involves both of them being in the same scene together, and both of them are just fantastic. Like Adam Driver is wonderful. I think that the cla- the classic scene, the one with them arguing in the apartment, is just like it's oh, just a, fantastic. Such, such a I hope- powerful scene. I hope you get hit by a car or something like that. I don't know. Like, whatever. I was, every day I wish you, I wish you were dead. I, I, yeah. I, like if I can guarantee Henry's safety, I wish you'd get disease or get hit by a car and die. Yeah, it's, yeah that's such a. But you feel it though, man. You feel that. No, that's like, like act, that's acting one hundred and one. It's right it's there, a release. It's just like that 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 was a, a that was a conversation that was building up the entire film, and you yeah. were on it for the ride. And it, like it should, it made me like shit, like a little uncomfortable watching it. But but it's earned because you feel no, it because you feel like because you're going on that ride of wave of emotions with the character. So yeah, yeah, I feel like uncomfortable. I feel like a little, a little like a little like dirty watching because it feels like so intimate. It feels so personal. Yeah, and it's yeah, and like even then, like you look at the scene where like Adam Driver singing, which we're not going to play because we have Adam Driver in the studio and he'll walk out if we play that clip. Or you look at um, <laughs> the scene with uh, Scarlett Johansson talking to Laura Dermon the first time. It's just. Each one has their time to shine, and each one is just so dependent on the other. So I'm, like, it's, I, I can't count them individually. It has to be one. Yeah. All right. I, I like I said, there was one something I was going to do, but then I end up separating them just for sake. Because I, I just 
the girls from Booksmart, I didn't want to like lump a lot of people in. That's the same thing with like, right. you know, um, peanut butter Falcon. I just, I felt like I was like, ch- like being chintzy, like cheating the list that I didn't want to do that, I guess. But fair, yeah. Fair. All right. So my number 12 is LaBeouf, Roman Griffin. Da- What's that? No, it's actually not smart ass. Um, it's Roman <laughs> Griffin Davis for Jojo Rabbit. Uh, that's a good pick. Um, I just think he was like, uh, you know, a young actor up and coming, you know, kind of reminds me of like a, um, uh, what is it? Uh, What's his name? Uh, Tremblay. Oh, Jacob Tremblay. He, Jacob Tremblay. Just like an actor who just is like really Damn, he, he does. He does me. a few a few lackluster comedies, and all of a sudden he's what's his name Tremblay. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I well, know. anyway, but like what I'm saying is being a child actor and just having right. that type of confidence and exuding it on the on the screen. Um, I just think his performance in this film was fantastic. This is a really um, underrated film. And I think a lot of people, you know, are kind of sleeping on it. Like, you know, you and I were saying, yeah, I mean, does it have a shot at Best Picture? Maybe. But these acting performances in this film really drive this film. And this kid is so young. Um, and really just being with this character and seeing that he was, like, so brainwashed by, you know, bigotry and just, like, hate, hatred towards Jewish people. And then coming around to it, finally understanding, well, what the hell am I doing, you know? And just, it's just, it's a really good movie. Um, and, it, and it's told in, in like how Taika Waititi does this and it's, it's done in, in a completely different way that nobody would probably ever tell a story. I think Taika Waititi is just so different in that storytelling aspect of his directing of his films. Um, it's just it's a really good film. and I think he's really good in it. So I have Roman Griffin Davis, my number 12 for Jojo Rabbit. Not bad, yeah, he, he's probably my favorite youth performance of the year. It was Gary Bateman for sure. It was Gary Bateman for the longest time. But then, yeah, yeah. Uh, Roman Griffin yeah. came in and stole that shit. Uh, my number twelve, I think it's worth twelve, right? Yeah, twelve. Yeah. My number twelve is Jamie Fox in Just Mercy, which I have not seen yet. Yeah, I saw that pretty recently because I knew I, uh, that was one I was really excited for. And like there was like, like we said earlier in the show, there was a time where I thought Jamie Fox was just unstoppable. It was it was when he had the the, the double header of Collateral and um, Ray, two yeah. excellent performances. And then you know he, had, he didn't really have anything like monumental. He was he was never bad. I never walked away from anything thinking Fox was bad, but he I mean, was he was just, decent the soloist. Yeah, no, actually, I actually think he's good in the soloist. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was just he, he was kind of there. It's just like yeah, we know. But like this, a performance like this reminds us why Jamie Fox is still great. Yeah, because he is. What surprised me about this movie is the fact that how how really like restrained he is. He's like he's really held back. He's really like. He's like really strips down, strips away what you think of when you think of Jamie Foxx, the person. And what really impresses me, like there's he has scenes where he's like meeting with people like outside, like outside of prison. Like he okay. he interacts with people outside of outside of prison. Like he interacts differently with like Michael B. Jordan the first time he meets him. He interacts differently with cops, but you really see him come alive, sort of when he is with his buddies on dead on death row. And it's just like such a, such a such a gradual shift, and the, the gradual shift where he gets more comfortable with Michael B. Jordan, he starts coming alive more than he had before. What before he got put in, it's just he brings so much to this performance, and I genuinely do think I genuinely do think this is it's his best since since '04, since the, since the the one two punch of Collateral and Ray. This is the best I've seen him. Gonna make me hurry up and get out there and go see this film. Yes, <laughs> go see it. Yeah, yeah, I do need to see it. Um, speaking of a film that we've been really talking about, uh, I don't think it's a surprise. Number eleven, I got Laura Dern from Marriage Story. Really? Um, it just—I just think she's so cutthroat as 
Scarlett Johansson's attorney. Um, she's just very ruthless in this whole entire film, the way that she handles things. And she's just very, she like the emotions turned off. She's like business, you know what I mean? And I just think it's a different side of Laura Dern that we have not seen. Um, I, I think you know, I think I would have been more impressed with this performance if I hadn't seen her do something very similar for Big Little Lies because she's not to say yeah, she's not I don't good. watch that. Yeah, so yeah, not that yeah. she's not good in this, but yeah. I feel like I mean she's all been she is super cutthroat, but at the same time I feel like there's not very much depth to her character. No, and, but the thing is, I, I feel like being an attorney in the in a type of film like this, you don't really have to have that type of, you know what I mean? That but back. But, but at the same time, look look at Alan Alda's character. He had a ton of depth for the two scenes he had. Oh, a ton, and I really wish he was in it more. I really wish that he would have gone on with you know with having him. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, did, I didn't connect with his performance as much as you did. But yeah, go, go ahead, keep, keep, uh, keep talking. I just thought she was really good in this film, and I kind of like I, I I don't watch that show, so I really didn't know that that was the type of like almost the same type of character that she she really portrays. And I feel bad, but uh, I just thought she was really good in this film, and I, I really like her as that cutthroat you know attorney, just like no no bullshit type thing, just straight to the point. Let's get this done. Um, and and she's able to turn that off. She's able to turn that emotions off in this film. And I just really liked her performance. And I really do think she's a lock for best supporting actress, man. Well, with J Lo going, yeah, she is. Yeah. So I got Laura Dern as my number eleven for Marriage Story. Interesting. Okay. So my number eleven is Tom Hanks, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Okay. Now I loved I love his performance in Toy Story Four. I mean, Woody's my guy, but just it's. It's Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers, which you think like, okay, that's gonna be great, but it's really better than you're expecting because I agree. He, he brings such he brings such a warmth and such such he brings like some real actual nuance to this to the role of Mr. Rogers, a character that I thought I knew backwards and forwards because of the, the documentary. He's maybe people want to be my neighbor, um, but yeah, he does bring some genuine. He does bring so much heart, and like every time he's on screen. And just talking, it reminds me like of uh, Jim Cummings and Chris Robin the year prior. He, yeah. Every time, every time he's in front of you, every time he opens his mouth, you're just you're you're you're, you're you melt like your heart melts. You're just like relaxed, you know. You're yeah. relaxed. You feel safe. You feel comfortable. Yeah. I love his back and forth between Matthew Reese, uh, who was also really good in the film. I agree. Yeah. No, it was a good film. Yeah, and he has such he he brings such genuine. Such genuine emotion, such genuine feels to this role, and yeah, it, it's it's about as good as you'd expect, if not better. So Tom Hanks' Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is fucking wonderful. All right, so we're going into our nitty gritty here, the top ten performances yeah. of twenty nineteen. Um, my number ten, we just mentioned her earlier. Um, it's Aquafina for the Farewell. Um, it was one of those movies where I had heard lots of good things about this film, but you know. Aquafina, just in general, she's like very miss for me because it's just a, you know, she's like almost like a Tiffany Haddish character. She plays the same thing in all the all the other movies she was in, like Crazy Rich Asians and other things like that. She's she's overbearing sometimes, um, but to me, in this one, you really see a different side of her that you did not see in these, you know, in the previous films that she had been in, and she just delivers a lot of heart and soul in this film. You know, it's about a grandmother you know, um, with a family and they are, they all are aware that she is dying, but the grandmother does not know about it. And it's just, it's just that whole entire process where the family is going to take the weight of this, this death sentence on as a family, as opposed to just letting her just like not, not live her life out 
fully because she's going to be worried about dying. It's just it's it's better for her if they if they carry the responsibility and the load of her 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 dying. I just I really like this film and she delivers a really heart you know heart uh, wrenching performance just because you feel the feels of it. You know anybody's ever lost somebody you know you, you get the feels in that film and she just really conveys it really well in this film. And I, I think it was a very it's a shame she didn't get at least a nomination for this performance because I thought she was really good. Another career-defining performance, I think, for Aquafina in The Farewell for number 10. I agree. She, she's wonderful in the film. And, yeah, you, yeah. Might, you might hear me talk a little bit better in, later in the film, later in the list. But okay. uh, going into my number 10, someone you had a little lower. My number 10 is Taryn Edgerton, Rocket Man. Okay. Uh, kind of for all the reasons you said. I mean, look, Ryan Malik did fine. He lip-synced, wore some bad teeth and a wig. Uh, but Taryn Edgerton actually brought a lot of pathos to the role of Elton, of Elton John. Like this, this one where I think separates itself from Bring Your Rhapsody, where that's about the music, this one's about the man. And yeah. He, he does a great job portraying Elton John's mental state at various points in his life, from being this young, idealistic piano player to this, just, this slow descent, which I know is a typical story for a, for a movie like this. But yeah. I think that he does... I think what really sells it is his performance, because he is crushing it every time he's a great singer he's a great dancer really embodies that elton john persona for sure and it's not really like you're not really rooting for him to like write songs or like really like make make a career you're rooting for him to just like find love like you really feel like his his dilemma where like he feels like he can't be he's incapable of being loved yeah and the the pain the pain behind that and you really which is why he goes on this whole like big descent like you you, you feel every inch of that, and it's all because of Terrence's performance. He's wonderful in this fucking film, and yeah, I think that he sh- he should have probably should have been nominated this year. Oh, absolutely for sure. All right, so going into my number nine, another female that we've been talking about, uh, Renee Zellweger for Judy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those performances where I watched Judy. Not being like, I was like, this is going to be a movie where I'm just like, it's going to be one of those ones that you just have to sit through and just kind of endure, you know? Um, but it was really fascinating to see this portrayal of Judy Garland that we did not know about. Um, you know, uh, like we, I, I obviously didn't know the backstories about like how like they were real fickle about, you know, with her, with her weight when she was a child. And then just all the problems that, 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 that kind of spiraled out of her career as she got older and, and, and was performing and really like was not was a nobody you know and it's kind of crazy because you you think back to you know someday over the rainbow so, you know somewhere over the rainbow and all the success that she had with the wizard of oz and um it, it's just crazy to see how far her career went from there to to when she gets older and she's like playing at these other little you know these little the bars or whatever that are hosting her or whatever and you're just seeing her wrestle with like uh you know drugs and alcohol and it's just it's 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 really a really good film. I think Renee Zellweger is really great in this film. Um, I think this is a this is probably one of her best roles, I would say, um, because I think what did she win for? She won for um, Cold Mountain, right? Yeah, Cold Mountain. I think this is a better performance. Uh, I really liked her in this film a lot. You, you you feel the feels of Judy Garland in this film, and you really are sympathetic towards her because you want her to be successful. You want her to recapture that limelight that she had back when she was younger. Um, but as the, as obviously that, that tunnel is getting smaller and smaller as she's getting older and she's going into a downward spiral and stuff like that, you really feel sympathetic towards the character. So I got Renee Zellweger as my number nine for Judy. Yeah, I really like the performance a lot. It was, she was close to making my 20 spot, but 
Okay. There's some I just found more interesting. There's more interesting portrayals I found this year. Uh, I just so, took away more with it, I guess. It's just one of those ones where I wasn't expecting much of this movie, and I walked down like, damn, yeah. It was one of those types. So my number nine is Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, yeah, playing uh, a stuntman to a much more successful, well, much more successful than him, actor, and he's he he like the embodiment of support. Like he is everything this guy needs him to be. He's his driver. He's he's his assistant. He's his show. He's a chauffeur, which is the same thing. But the back and forth he has with DiCaprio is great. I love that his I love his own journey. He's going on because he's someone who's dealing with the fact that he's basically been blacklisted from Hollywood. Yeah. So he's having trouble finding work, and he's not living. He's living not super well, especially given the fact that his actor, the one he doubles for, the one he's made a career out of doubling for, isn't. He's not particularly. You know, he's not. He's not particularly in shape. No, or well, not. I'm sorry, not in shape. He's not doing well in his own career, so yeah. that, that really weighs heavily on him. But he, he, you feel like he's. You feel like you know, like he just has to be there for him like, at all times. And uh, Brad Pitt, like he brings. A lot. He's a great actor. Like we, we we know this. We've established this. But uh, everything he does with DiCaprio, with uh, the hippies, to the end, where the, like the scene where he's <laughs> where he's high and has to fight has to fight the Mansons. It's <laughs> great. Uh, so he's he's so great. He he brings a lot of uh, drama, a lot of uh, dramatism, a lot of heart uh, to this to this role. And he every level he needs to hit, he hits it and he hits it out of the park. So yeah, Brad Pitt once upon a once upon a time in Hollywood, absolutely fantastic. All right, going into my number eight, uh, I have Mark Ruffalo for Dark Waters. Really? Um, it was one of those films where watching it, like, it was just, it's a, I knew when watching this trailer that this film was going to be a good film. You could just tell it had that that feel to it. But I really thought, like, you know, Mark Ruffalo really, he's been, I can't say that he hasn't done these serious roles before, because he has. But I just thought that this film and then just this whole entire story about you know the 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 companies knowingly poisoning the water for the nearby you know neighboring areas and like these big corporations and, and companies covering it up because they don't want you know obviously anybody to know what they're doing, um and then he is going against the big conglomerates he's going against the big giants you know what I mean, and pretty much kind of whistleblowing it and saying hey listen you know they're you know they're knowingly putting water into you know the poisoning the water and knowingly doing this uh and i just i really enjoyed this film i think it was one of those underrated films that nobody's really talking about i think you and i really sung its praises when it came out right outside of that though like you don't really hear much about it, and i think ruffalo is really good in it so i got mark ruffalo uh as my number eight for dark waters i, I just realized that i did i probably would have a, I'll mention it if i if i remembered him but yeah he is he's the genuinely great in that film so yeah I don't, I don't hate the pick uh my number where are we number number eight number eight yep yeah okay so I, number eight i have paul walter hauser in richard jewell uh so yeah richard jewell i feel like is uh another one of not not forgotten but this performance people don't really talk about kathy bates getting is getting all the love but paul walter hauser does like he he's really he's not just continues to impress me Mm-hmm. Because he he was great, and I tell you, like, who is this? He's seen him black. I'm like, oh, that, this guy's really good. And this 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 isn't getting getting a chance to lead a full feature. And he does so incredibly well. Like he like he he's he's bringing levels that I didn't know he was capable of at this point. Granted, he's, he has a young career, but I didn't think he could do anything like this to the point where like he's 
you know, he's he's vulnerable. He's he has vulnerability to him. He has respect a respect to him. But and at the same time, he's idealistic to the point where he's just naive. Yeah. Like he like he's willing he's willing to sell he he respects and loves authority so much he's willing to sell himself out to the F, to the FBI because they're telling him it's for the it's for the right thing to do. Well, it's for the greater good, and I think that's where he's like very you know all about doing the right thing or just being you know he he takes that you know he he really has a pride in being like law enforcement you know what I mean he really just enjoy he wants to do the right thing and he just wants yes. to help everybody else out but yet. They're also, you know, they're looking planning, to, they're looking to they're planning trying to plan them for this, you know? Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think he has a great dynamic with Sam Rockwell. I love the stuff with his mother. And you really feel like, you, you really feel the situation weighing down on him to the point where, you know, he's just, when his, when his frustration finally leaks out, yeah, it's, it's, it's really justified. Not to mention the scene at the end where he's just, where, uh, spoiler alert, but I guess this really happens, so. Where he's let, where he's he's done. It's all over, and he's uh, absolved of all, all charges. That that scene, where he's just so incredibly happy, the, the, the yeah. reaction he has in that in that moment, like that that like nearly, it, it really took me. He was because so you realize bad. all that pressure that this guy had on it, the it's, whole it's entire just, time. It, it's all released at that point, and you're just and, really, and at that time it's all gone. Yeah, he can actually really live it. a life now where he doesn't have to be. Hounded by paparazzi every day, hounded by reporters every day. You know. Yeah, and you, and you feel that tension release just in what in the actions he does preceding them. I'm not gonna spoil what he does, but he is. Yeah, yeah, it, really it's, good. It's so good. So yeah, Paul Walter Hauser, number eight. All right, number seven. I have uh, Song Kang Ho for Parasite. Really? Uh, yeah, I I really liked the dad in this film. Um, I just thought he was a really good you know good actor. I just I liked um, what he brought to the table as being like the staple of the family you know um being the pretty much the limo driver for the um for the you know upper enchilant of the uh, wealthy family and stuff like that i just really liked him in it and i just kind of like his whole entire story and where he goes the back end of the film which was really it was a surprising you know surprising twist that they do um but i just liked it i really liked i, I love this film I'm, I'm championing this film because i really think that this is just a it's one it's like a it's an underrated, overrated film, if that makes any sense. I guess it's one of those ones where a lot of people are talking about it. It's getting great reviews, but I don't think it has a shot in hell to do anything. And it's unfortunate because it's such a really good film. But uh, I like I like him in this film. I think he's really good. Um, and I could have done the same thing. I could have put like the, 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 one, the, the kid that plays the son. I could have put the daughter or the mother. I could put any of those four in there, really. Because they were all – kind of how you said, you know, uh, when you were talking about um, – uh, marriage story they're all intricate on one another though they're all in this together and i think that's you know that's the thing so i i feel like you can almost put any of those actors and actresses in that in that category there that's where, but, that's, uh, that's where i struggle because yeah. I, I i like all the performances of parasite it's just hard so for do me i to, and it's that, hard for me to pick I, one and that was the thing i i like the dad's performance more but then i also like the son but yeah kind of how you said it. it's it's like you're juggling with it because you kind of like the mom when she comes in and then the daughter uh, yeah, all, you know, the, all the all yeah. the parasites kind of canceled out for me. They, it, it's one of those ones where I, I wanted to at least you know show some love for it. I just think the dad being the you know the um, kind of the leader of the family, so to speak, um, it, it was one of the that's a patriarch, I guess, to kind of just say, hey, you know what? I, I really enjoyed this film, and I just I liked him um, in it. So I just kind of want to show them some love. So yeah, I got uh, Song Kang Ho for Parasite as my number seven. 
I'll go to my number seven. I have Jonathan Majors in The Last Black Man in San Francisco. So, I don't know. It, I know you bought this. You, you didn't watch it, did I you? bought it. I still have not watched it. It was one of those ones where I, I started it, and I think it was just because it was late at night. It was like the first 10, 15 minutes just went by slow, and I just I, I, I shut it off and went to bed just because it was getting late. I mean, it had nothing to do with the movie. I, I do want to watch it, though, because I've heard you've, you've been you've been on it since it came out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love this film. Uh, yeah, so Jonathan Majors plays he plays the supporting the supporting role to the lead character Jamie Fails, who's basically who's actually played by an actor named Jamie Fails. He's who also wrote the script. It's a very personal thing journey for him. But I feel like the standout performance is uh, Jonathan Majors' best friend Mon. So Mon is he's someone who's going with Jamie Fails on this whole, on this whole journey, and he's a playwright and he's someone who's like, he's stuck for inspiration and. He's going on this whole journey with his friend. He, he really brings a lot of. I, I kind of like the same way Brad Pitt is. He's like the embodiment supporting of a supporting character, because he is he is there to basically serve as, I guess, like a counterpoint or like a support for uh, Fails' arc. But at, at a certain point, he goes off in his own, on a, his own thing where he finds inspiration that comes out in a really really great scene where he's talking about. Uh, the tra- the you know, tragedy, and he reveals some like really big things. It kind of goes in part with the the bigger themes of this film. And, and I feel like he's really he, he, the the bigger themes of this film represented. Oh, well, one with with uh, the main character, but a lot of them are represented with uh, with Mon and Jonathan Majors brings. He brings so he he brings a ton to this role. He's great. Uh, he's got a great dynamic with uh, with uh, Jimmy. He's got great dynamic with uh, Danny Glover as his grandfather. And he really, he he's one of the things. He's really the emotional anchor of this film, more so than the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're number six. Yeah, it's something I gotta check out for sure. Absolutely. Uh, number six. Uh, number six, obviously. Uh, I'm beating a dead horse here. Adam Driver, Marriage Story. Um, just pretty much what we've been saying. It's 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 a film where it's really testing everybody's acting skills. Um, the scenes that you feel. Adam Driver's character in with his son, fighting to be with his son, fighting for, you know, wrestling through this nasty divorce and just trying to do the best that you can for your son and still be sane while doing it. I think it's just, it's, it's, it's great to watch. It's really great to watch on the screen because you're like, wow, this is really good acting. And Adam Driver really kind of that, that scene where he's just having that mental breakdown and he just like all this stuff that's been inside him is finally just releasing. He's like, like word vomit spitting out all of his like hatred towards Scarlett Johansson and in, in that scene, his frustration, his sadness, everything, you, the whole entire you know web of emotions that his character is going through in that scene, you feel it, you, you like it's deserved, and it's just a really great performance. I think it's one of Adam Driver's best, right there with uh, Black Klansman, of course. But uh, yeah, I got Adam Driver at my number six for Marriage Story. Uh, going to my number six, I have uh, Sha- uh, Chao Chen. From the farewell, she played the grandmother. Now, Aquafina is great in that movie, but I feel like Xiaoshu Chen takes a character who really could have been just a, like a, a plain old plot device, and he she gives her a ton of personality and a ton of heart, and to the point where like she's so well developed that you you feel like you feel on edge because you feel like you need to tell her that she's dying, uh, but she like she's like. She's the beacon of light in this film. She is light. She's hopeful. She brings such warmth to all the characters she interacts with. 
and which makes it, which goes to make you feel even worse that she's dying. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like she's not getting enough credit. Aquafina is great. Probably the first yeah. thing I genuinely, I genuinely like loved her performance in. But I feel like Xiao, like Xiao Chen, is not getting enough credit for how much she really brings to the role of the grandmother. Because this, like, like I said, this could have been such a like a boring uh, stock, you know, just kind of their type of character. But she yeah. does everything in her power to make it everything not a- a- anything but. And I do think that she is absolutely she 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 is wonderful. Honestly, like I think she looked. We talk about Jill. I think she's the biggest snub for best supporting actress. Because honestly, I think she probably should have won. Okay, fair enough. All right, going into our top five. Five is a uh, just a couple up from yours uh, from before. It's Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nice. Pretty much everything you pretty much everything you said. It was one of those ones where he is Leo's crutch in this film. He is everything. His like pretty much his emotional support uh, person, his go-to person, his chauffeur, his stuntman, blah 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 blah. The list goes on and on and on. His handyman, everything he does, everything, and just to see him in this film really just kind of act like Brad Pitt, be all cool and, you know, like how you said, the scene at the at the ranch with uh, the Manson clan and all that, and then to the ending scene where he's high, and it's just, it's great. This is really great. Um, it's just a great film all, all in all, and I think Brad Pitt really steals the show. I think his performance outweighs Leo's in this film. So I have him at number five for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't regret being that high. Um, my number five is... Uh, a performance that I, I, I just saw, but I instantly fell in love with. It's Michael B. Jordan in Just Mercy. Uh, Michael B. Jordan shows a side in this movie that I've never seen him show before. Uh, where that you know we've seen we've seen him like be like really aggressive, and really like in, and really like, up there. But this is one where he's like really like Jamie Foxx. He's really restrained. He's like really gives a mature performance. And it, yeah, he's my Alexa She she he is the anchor. Of just mercy, where kind of like Ethan Hawke in uh, Training Day, where he's kind of there to serve to make Denzel look better, but at the same time he's really good. J- J- Michael B. Jordan gives a great performance uh, as, and well, first of all, like, you remember me? I'm like he's young, he's idealistic, he's you know he he's like he's really green fresh out of law school. But as the film goes on, like he really he really grows a lot as a character to the point where like. I really thought about like where he where the movie ended versus where he started, and like you really see like the effect he had. Like there are some really, really tough scenes he has in the movie. One especially in the middle where like something like horrific happens, and he's just it's all it's like it's all in the face. Like he's just he's speechless, as you expect someone to be as you expect someone to be who just watched that, and he's just he brings a whole a dimension that I didn't know. I mean I knew he probably had but I'd never seen before and he does it incredible. It maybe his most mature performance today. Up there with like Creed 2 as being like a very mature performance. And he's not getting a crap. I really think WB screwed up by put by not putting a bigger Oscar push behind this because I really think yeah. him and Jamie could have each gotten noms. Yeah I, I do need to see that though. All right, so going into my number four, I have uh, who you were talking about earlier. I got Shia LaBeouf all the way up her uh, for Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, I just, not, not, I, for, not for Honey Boy. I, okay. I, you know, I, not to take anything away from it, and I, you can almost maybe like how you said, even split it up with both performances because you know he, he's different in both performances. He's raw, you know how he, and Honey Boy, but Peanut Butter Falcon, he's like the tender, 
like he's almost like a tender, like caring big brother to um, Zach Gossigan's uh, character in this film. He wants to help this, you know, this guy out. And, and, and you, you see his character change throughout this whole entire film from going to like this very standoffish, wants nothing to do with this kid that ends up like pretty much taking him under his wing, so to speak, and just kind of being that mentor, being that father figure to this guy who doesn't have that. Um, and, and will do anything to try to get him to meet his hero. And I just, I love the journey that they go on together. I love the character development that Shia LaBeouf goes through th- this whole entire film, where you see him start out as kind of rough around the edges, where he kind of, like, at the end of the film, where he kind of just kind of opens up his heart more. And he, and he becomes more, you know, more lovable as a character. Um, I think he really tests himself. And it's a shame kind of how you said he had two probably the biggest career performances of his, of his life, and he's not going to get recognized for him. It's a shame. But yeah, I got Shia LaBeouf as my number four for Peanut Butter Falcon. All right, no, yeah, I, I mean, cute. I, I love, I, I love performance immensely until I saw Honey Boy. And I thought that was, was was on a whole different level. But yeah, I don't, I don't hate him being this high. Uh, going to my number four, I have Kelvin Harrison Jr. for Loose, another uh, smaller underseen film. Uh, so Loose is a movie about. It's hard to sell this movie without actually giving away. So just it, basic, basic plot of it is. Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot. I, I forgot all about him and that uh, shit. I was gonna put him on my list too. You did see it. That's right. I did see it. Yeah. Never mind. Shit. I totally forgot all about that. I literally just watched it. I wasn't even think. I literally went to um, Letterbox for like films just to kind of get ideas of who I was putting on the list. And you know, because Loose is like one of those like indie films. Wasn't even in the top. You know, the ones that you would see all together. Right. I'm like shit. I forgot all about that. He was fantastic in this film. Yeah, yeah. Crap, so, I forgot all about him. Like so, like I was saying, like he pays he pays a uh, kid who was adopted out of, out of rough circumstances. Yeah, and you know he's become like this model kid, except for this one teacher. What I appreciate about this performance is the fact that his motivations and his he can give the same delivery, but the motivations and the motivations, the tone. And the intentions change depending on who he's talking to. Yeah, but he's he's talking the same as I. Yeah, it's 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 like he's playing he's playing everybody against each other almost all the time. It's it's a very different form of duality that I don't see a lot on film. Yeah, but he does it incredibly well. He has, I, he, I he I don't think like unlike any other actor, I don't think he. I think there's another actor this year who has interactions as unique as his because he interacts differently with literally every single character in the film. Yeah. And he, and Kelvin Harrison Jr. brings it immensely. Like, I think he, he gives an, a, a great performance also in ways, but I think the, the, rest, the not the restraint, the, uh, the uh, subtlety and the, new, and the nuance and loose is just, it's on uh, a whole, no, it's on a whole other level in that movie. And I do think I, it was very close, but I gotta give him, I gotta give it to loose. Because yeah, he, I, yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. He, he, he's, he's wonderful in this fucking film, and you should all go see the movie. I agree, because just even like the ending of the film, you never know what side, like, who is he? You don't even know, like, you don't really know who he is as a he, character, he, you know what I mean? He makes you question what you know about him. Because that's the thing, because how you said it, he'll talk one way to somebody and talk exactly the same way to his, his, his dad or whatever, but his intentions are completely different. And conveying it by the same tone of, of, of dialogue or whatever language when he's talking it's like what the hell it's like he like has so many multiple personalities almost and it's it's, and it's, it's like, really fit it is fantastic. You, you, you notice yeah. like little like little things he does when he's changing from person to person 
and it's just it's 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 very it's very impressive what he does in this film. So yeah, uh, I think he's great. I'm right, moving into the top three here. I have uh, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story. I know this is going to get like a dead horse here. I should have looped them all together. But uh, Scarlett Joe, to me, I think was more of the driving force in this film. I think if you had to rank them, um, I just think that, you know, her character going into this film, again, it's just pretty much her and Adam Driver playing off one another. Um, but Scarlett Joe can be kind of, and that's the other thing about this film. You, you, you like and love, you hate and love these characters at the same time. Like, you're like, oh, she's such a bitch, or he's such a dick, or whatever. Then you like, then you, you, you kind of realize, at the, you know, the culmination, they, they have to do what's best for their kid. And I think Scarlett Joe is just, like, really career-defining performance in this one. It's nice to see her get double-nominated for this and Jojo Rabbit. Um, I just really liked her in Marriage Story. I think she's fantastic. Those scenes with her and Adam Driver um, really drive off of one another, no pun intended, but um, – they do. I mean, and, and kind of how you said, you should put a, I should put a just loop them together um, just to make it because you can't really have one without the other. It's like a peanut butter jelly sandwich here. But um, yeah, I got Scarlett Johansson. We've, we've already said enough good things about her. So she's my number three for uh, Marriage Story. All right. So going to my number three, I have uh, Kelvin, Harris's Jr. Wave, Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s Waves co-star, Sterling K. Brown. Which I did not see Waves. Another one I wanted to see. I did. I it wasn't around here. I I really I was really taken aback hard by Waves. I I really enjoy that film a lot. Uh, and I think that Sterling K Sterling K Brown. You know, it's a shame that A twenty four didn't put a bigger Oscar push behind this one. That's because, what I was gonna say because I heard like such great things about it. It didn't get nothing. Like I, I, because I why is it? I genuinely believe Sterling K Brown gets a performance that is on par with Mahershala Ali's performance in Moonlight because he really yeah because he brings. He brings the uh, the warm the warm side as well as the the, t- the tough side, yeah. point where like when events unfold, you really understand how it's weighing on him. You know, he has a really great scene with uh, his daughter when they're fish when they're uh, they're by a lake. It's you you really feel like you you really feel like his. What am I trying to say? You you feel the emotions come through with him with him as a father. Yeah, and like. You, you you feel you feel his growth. You feel his you feel his regret. You feel him feel like he's trying to be a good dad. And you also feel like his real his real care for the kids. He, he brings intensity. He goes back and forth between intensity with and it goes to you know really like love like loving side. It's a really despite the fact that he doesn't have a ton of screen time. Much like again like Marshall Lee Moonlight, he makes the most with every scene he is in. And he is. Like legitimately fantastic. I love, I love the performance in this film, and yeah, go 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 see ways you can if you can see it. Definitely want to see that. Uh, my number two. We were talking earlier about people that were snubbed for Oscar nominations. I got Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. So do I. He's my number two also. It's just because okay, to me, it's like when you think of career defining performances, like you know, you have Mickey Rourke, the wrestler. You think of the one scene or the one you know uh, role that is, is iconic to that character or like, you know, their, their best, their, their Mount Everest of, of accomplishments, you know, Adam Sandler really testing himself as an actor while still being Adam Sandler, if that makes any sense. Yes. Um, I'd Jebs was fantastic. I think he, from start to finish is you, you're on a whole, um, emotional roller coaster ride of, you know, anxiety through this whole entire film. Cause you know that, that what this guy's doing is wrong yet, He's he's trying to make it, but you you kind of rationalize it. You're trying to understand what. Well, maybe he can do this. Maybe he can pull it back together by doing this. You know what I mean? And there's scenes where it looks like there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, 
and then the tunnel gets closed and you're like, Oh, come on. Like we're, we're right there. Um, I just think he's, he's fantastic in this film. This is something different that you, you haven't seen from Adam Sandler. You've seen a little bit of it in punch drunk love. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson got a little bit out of him with this, but I really think that uncut gems is a better overall Adam Sandler performance. I think we get more out of this. I think we really, it, it, it's playing to all the strengths of Adam Sandler. There's fun asking to be different Adam Sandler. It's being Adam Sandler, but tweaking it up a little bit. And it's perfect because it's him. He doesn't have to really change that much. Um, and I think he's fantastic. It's a damn shame he didn't get nominated for anything in this film. No, I, I 100% agree with everything you're saying. Like he is, yeah. he is great. The, the the scent he takes into into madness is yep. fantastic. You buy into it. You he has great he has great uh, back and forth between between his wife, his girlfriend, KG, who's also really good in the film. And, yeah, uh, really. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield is also was also wonderful. Uh, that man that manic persona like. There's a point where like, he really just like strips away what you think of when you think Adam Sandler, yeah, and like to the point where I didn't see Adam Sandler. More. I saw I saw Howie, like yeah. I, I saw Howard, and yeah, he does he does such he does such you, gr- like great and like, you you really see understand like how he how he got in the situation he's in, yeah. And you 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 both you both feel I mean you're you're angry at him, but at the same time you feel sorry for him because you understand this is just how he is. It's almost like he gets himself out of a situation, but by doing that, gets himself into another situation. Exactly. And it's, and it's just like, it's almost like, um, you know, you're taking one step forward, two steps back, and you're constantly never, you're never, you're never in front of the eight ball. You're constantly behind the eight ball. And um, you really understand, but you feel sympathetic towards Adam Sandler, too, because you realize that his wife played fantastically by Adina Menzel. She just really, their marriage is not there. He gets comfort and solitude from his mistress or his girlfriend or whatever, who really loves him. Genuinely he was, he was loves also great Howie, and and that's the thing. Like genuinely loves Howie, um, and all of his ups and downs. Unlike his wife, who should you know who should be doing that. You know what I mean? Right. So you, you don't really feel bad that he's going to get like you know love and, and affection from somebody else because his wife's so standoffish from him. Right. So. Like he and he brings. This could have been. There's give himself like such like a big like show like acting performance, but he yeah. has it. The quiet moments are the ones that really, really stand out in this film. Like cause, like he, they're they're really good. And, like you, you understand why he got to where he is because he is he is a convincing dude. Like he does have that quality where he he knows how to talk. He knows how to get people to do things. And it's it's a performance a performance unlike anything you've seen, you've seen from Sandler. He is for sure incredible. Definitely one of the best of the year. Should have been nominated. Probably should have won. Yeah, I, I complete 100% agree. And uh, we, this is it, number ones. Number ones. What's your number one, Russell? My number one, uh, a little bit up from yours, Paul Walter Hauser for Richard Jewell. Really? Yeah, he's fantastic in this film, dude. He really is. Um, I just championed this film. I, it was one of those films where I walked out. I'm like, Paul Walter Hauser, kind of how we were saying, like, I, Tonya was really fantastic in that Black Klansman. He's really coming around as an actor, and this guy's being, a, like, a, a gem here. Um, Richard Jewell, he's, fa- like, start to finish. You simp- you go on such a ride of emotions with the character in the film because um, you, you feel bad for him. He just wants to be a guy who who does law enforcement and, like, it protects people. And you have a guy that finds, you know, the the, the backpack with the bomb in it, now the FBI kind of want to use him as like pretty much a scapegoat to blame him, saying that he's the one that 
And it's like you're on this emotional roller coaster the whole entire uh, movie because you know that this guy would never do anything to do that, but yet his past kind of like it kind of reinforces what they want to portray him as. So they're like, oh, well, you know, you didn't see that he got dismissed from uh, a college, uh, you know, security guard because he had to run in a couple times with kids, but yet he was just doing his job. So he, he was trying to actually help as opposed to hinder. And I think uh, I just this, this whole entire film, start to finish, I think Eastwood does a great job directing it. Um, I think he got snubbed for a uh, directing uh, award too. Um, and even like how you said, Kathy Bates, fantastic. Sam Rockwell was fantastic. It was another one who probably should have been nominated for a supporting actor. Um, but I thought Paul Walter Hauser really stole the show, man. This guy is going to be an up and coming star. Um, anything he's in has been fantastic. Nothing short of fantastic. So I, it was one of my favorite performances of the year. You just, again, it's kind of the same thing I said with Adam Sandler though. You're going on the ride with this, this character from start to finish. You feel all the feels that the character is going through. Um, you know, their ups are your ups, their downs are your downs. You, you feel everything about it. And I, I think Paul Walter Hauser knocked it out of the park. So I have him as my number one for Richard Jewell. All right. So going to my number one, I have, what is it? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I had to think about it. My number one is the punt you had from way earlier. My number one is Lupita Nyong'o in Us. Well, I didn't know you, I did not think you would have her at one. That man, she so yeah. I think that she well, she also gives a great performance in Little Monsters, which I think is another unseen film. It's on Hulu, go check it out. Um, Winston Duke is great in that film, but honestly, you want to talk about duality. Lupita Nyongo in this movie playing two characters, and so, not just that, not just that, but they are just so wildly different. Yeah, they they're are. On, they're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. What really impresses me is the fact that you can watch that movie, and when when it's over, and when like the final hat drops. Yeah. Just how much her performance on subsequent movies, how much performance changes because you go back and you watch it, her motive, her motivations for each character completely change. Her, you know, her purpose, complete, her purpose for each completely change. Like everything about every aspect about each performance fundamentally changes on subsequent viewings, and I think that it's it's really it, it's a, it's a tough role to know. It reminds me like of uh, James McAvoy in Split. Where yeah, I agree. In a, in the hands of a less capable actor, actress, this could have been really bad. But the fact that you have Lupita Nyong'o, who is a wonderful, wonderful fucking actress, she sure. she manages to just really just nail both these roles and like that. She was, yeah, I, I, we were saying this a lot. My top two, both not both snub, snub for nomination, not just nomination, but snub for wins because she is legitimately fan. She's fantastic. I mean, Jordan Peele's only directed two things so far, but this is. This is right as of right now. This is the best performance he's he's ever got out of anybody. She is absolutely incredible. No one impressed me as much this year. Not that I was impressed, but like no one impressed me as much as Lupita Nyong'o in this movie because she showed me she showed sides that I didn't I didn't think she was capable of. She's I agree. She's fantastic in the film. I mean, I put her on my list. I mean, yeah, I completely agree. All right, so yeah, those were our lists. It's been a it's been a crazy ride, a lot of uh, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. But uh, let's see. Well, uh, that that's it. That's that's it for a list. That's it for the show. This is a very relatively short episode. It's our first one back, but don't worry, we'll be back with all our regular nonsense, including us on the on the Morbius trailer. And no, you're dying to hear us talk about that one. <laughs> uh, next week, I don't know what we're going to be reviewing yet because we got to pull put our series of polls out because it's been very very intricate, very very tough thing to do. And, yeah, that's going to do it for us. I'm Chance. That's Russell. We're happy to be back for a third season, and we will see you next time.